0: Thank you for listening to Wolfcast and Pod, the episode by episode breakdown of Angel the television series. We will be discussing each episode in detail, so we have no concern for spoilers and the like. Please enjoy! You can't force me to stay here. You're not a prisoner. I've been hearing that a lot lately. Just give me a chance, okay? So, first up, you're a prisoner. I'd have to concur with that, yes. See, you've got our friend all in knots. Can't say we like you much.
1: So, sorry about the dying. But if you try to escape, we will hit you. On the head. With very large and heavy objects.
0: Incoming message from the higher powers, it's another episode of WolfCast and Pod, the podcast where we break down Angel, episode, Angel the television series, not the concept of angels, episode by episode, joining me as always on the other line to your friend and mine, you've already heard her beautiful laugh. It's Kara. Hi. <laughs> I can't help but Hello, just Kara. snicker.
1: I'm I'm in a snickery <laughs> mood. Hi. It's good,
0: I'm, good to be here. I'm a funny her. person. <laughs> you are. <laughs> Bring the jokes.
1: It's a laugh riot. Sometimes
0: I'm too funny. Sometimes I listen to other podcasts that I've recorded and I'm talking about a kind of sensitive topic. And my instinct is almost always to laugh about how sad or angry things make me feel. And I'm like... I bet some people don't understand that feeling, and they're like, this guy doesn't take that seriously. But I guess those people aren't my people.
1: <laughs> I'm with you. Um, I once awkwardly laughed in the middle of a moment of silence at a Remembrance Day ceremony. So, in front of an entire school. Uh, because yes. it was awkward. <laughs> so I get ya. Mm.
0: There's a movie I saw last year called The Killing of a Sacred Deer. I don't know if you saw that one, but um it's a pretty dark and depressing subject matter, but I found the movie to be very deeply funny and I was definitely the first person to laugh in the theater and it took other people maybe 20 to 30 minutes before they joined me <laughs> in laughing in the movie and maybe I just like pulled them over to my side and that's not how they were feeling about it whatsoever but
1: you pointed out the ridiculousness or so the humor the... <laughs> i guess sometimes yeah. it takes I mean time.
0: i definitely think there's some pretty clear jokes in that movie but there's also some other stuff that i laughed at that maybe they weren't jokes but i found funny <laughs> it happens speaking of things that probably aren't funny Today we're going to be discussing uh, the episode of Angel called The Trial. So this episode starts off with um, Angel pretending that he is, uh, you know, dealt with things, had an epiphany, and is moving on about the whole Darla situation when Gunn comes in and doesn't that he found Darwa. <laughs> and uh, so... The episode, you know, begins with Angel trying to, you know, find out more stuff about Darla, going to her home, going to Lizzie's home. Um, and uh, eventually when he runs into her trying to, as she hinted at strongly at the end of the last episode, turn herself back into a vampire, she discovers that um, Wolfram and Hart has run a series of medical tests and revealed that, when she came back as a human, that she did not remove the disease, which I believe is syphilis, that was killing her um, when she originally was a human. um, Looking for a Hail Mary help, Angel goes to uh, the host uh, of the karaoke bar and has uh, Darla Sing And he suggests that they do this trial thing, which they do, um, to give Darla a second chance at life. But it turns out that being brought back as a human already is her second chance at life. And so they can't help. And uh, the episode ends with um, Darla seeming to accept her fate. And uh, right as they're having this shared moment between Darla and Angel... Lindsay and Wolfram and Hart and Drusilla bust into the hotel door, and uh, Drusilla kills Darla and turns her into a vampire. Did I miss anything?
1: It's, yeah, (laughs) not my favorite episode. I think it's, like, a lot of a lot of setup and a lot of, uh, trying to sort of tell a story around what could have been 10 minutes of narrative, (laughs) but, uh, I, yeah, I, I, am I think, I think it goes on for quite a long time without making a ton of, uh, a ton of really relevant points. Um, there are some cute moments, but, uh, I'm not sure that they redeem the episode for me.
0: Alright, well, I'm uh, on the opposite side <laughs> from you for this episode because I like it a fair amount. I give it a B+. Um, I I mean, I think that it probably is a little bit of something that Basil and I talk a lot about on uh, Definitely Doomed, which is that um, a sort of medium episode ends on such a strong moment that it raises... The surrounding episode, uh-huh. like, very commonly, Giles and Buffy will have, like, a sit-down moment in which they talk about something really emotional and painful in an episode of Buffy, and I'm like, hmm, that episode ended on a nice note. forgot about all the complaints that I had before then. <laughs> um, but I, I do think that there are some strong things to this episode, and kind of, while I understand, like maybe the f- first like 25 minutes feeling like a little bit padded out i think something that structurally i really like and somehow every time that i watch it i notice it and i'm surprised by it is how the trial is like 10 minutes at almost the end of the episode like the trial starts like with 15 minutes left in the episode in an episode called the trial about these trials. <laughs> and I'm like, that's kind of cool that, like, this whole actiony thing, I guess, that is supposed to be central to this episode, that none of these writers thought it was important as the emotional stuff that precedes and follows it. Um, and that they kind of sneak it in semi-quickly at the back. So, See,
1: I feel like that's uh, almost, like... It doesn't feel like it's central. I feel like that's the point where it's like, oh, we need action of some sort, so let's just shoehorn this in there somehow. Like, it (coughs) feels like it's totally ancillary. Like, um, I don't know. It's not... uh, Yeah, I don't
0: totally (laughs) disagree, but I I don't totally think that it's completely unintentional, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, I... Um, (laughs) this wasn't one of our specific topics to talk about, (laughs) but I guess we're talking about it. it. It, um, like this episode in essence is like a shorter version of the Superman and his dad story. Like you can't save everyone. That's something that all, uh, people, or I guess in this case creatures of the night have to learn if they want to be a hero. Um, And the idea that this thing that Angel does that defines him as a hero, which is being excellent at beating stuff up, um, (laughs) being ancillary to this episode and ancillary to the Darla plot in itself, is to me, I think, a little bit the point. Like... You know, uh, at the end of the trial, when it turns out that it's meaningless, you know, because this is how Angel has been approaching his life so much to this point, he doesn't know how to do anything else at that point except continue to attack things. So he just starts punching the walls um, in an equally meaningful gesture. And uh, I don't know. I like it, but I mean... Uh, People have often said that I give stuff that I like for other reasons credit in places that it doesn't deserve.
1: (laughs) Don't we all, though?
0: Like, I like like something, and then I work backwards into an argument for why other people should also like (laughs) it. (laughs) Um, But we were going to start with the beginning. um, Instead of the end. (laughs) 15 minutes left before the end. Whoa. Yeah, we're Patrick in it. Patrick always likes to start at the end when he discusses stuff, but um, I think the beginning is another reason why I feel like the end uh, is intentional because I think the beginning is a fun along with being a funny scene, is a fun reversal of our expectations of how television works, which is that you introduce something, and then it gets wrapped up, and then people move on, and then it's not a part of their life anymore. And so this episode begins um, with Angel pretending to be in the place that TV characters typically are, which is, you know, they deal with an issue, they spank their inner Moppet, and... Uh, <laughs> And then they're ready to go on, and to me that hints, and maybe because of that scene I'm willing to give more credit to more meta-commentary in other aspects, but I feel like that scene is fairly obvious, I don't know, in its meta-commentary, what do you think?
1: Um, I agree, <laughs> like I think that that's, the, the two things that I like about the episode are the very beginning, and then uh, the end. I think that what happens in the middle is sort of like, um, contrary to uh, to your opinion, Ruben, I I feel like it's just kind of an afterthought, um, and that uh, Angel sort of like pre tending or pretext at the start that like everything is fine I'm okay I'm over Darla things are great I love laundry like it's yeah, um,
0: yeah I love that in Angel's Head that's the idea of how to pretend to be normal is <laughs> to enjoy laundry when no one has ever enjoyed laundry in the history of doing laundry I
1: don't know <laughs> I do like clothes fresh out of the dryer when they're still warm gotta say yeah, they feel, many cats they do feel as nice. well
0: feel <laughs> nice warm clothes are great he's correct in that that's the one enjoyable part of laundry but everything else about laundry is annoying gathering up the clothes putting it in the washer measuring the things out remembering to go put it in the dryer remembering that you put it in the dryer so you don't leave it in there overnight then folding the clothes when you get it out there's no other enjoyable parts (laughs) Of laundry. But he
1: mentions the and one not enjoyable part. something someone part. would do
0: for fun, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but then he also recognizes that laundry <sighs> is stressful, right? Be- being... <laughs> pretending to be as human as he's pretending to being pretending to be or how how dad he is pretending to be by saying like oh wrinkle free yeah sure after you iron it for 15 minutes like <laughs> haha jokes guys you do laundry too right everybody gets this so it yeah. actually it's almost like he's finding the fun in the super menial because he thinks that that's like what people do um, which is amazing. Um, I, I wouldn't, like, I didn't go too much into I don't that. really have
0: a note about it, <laughs> but I think Wesley is really good in this scene. Oh, for sure. I enjoy everything that Wesley is doing in this scene. How proud he is when he thinks that Angel's okay, and how hurt he is when <laughs> Angel feels that he's still not okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty great.
0: And, um, it's not like, uh, a clear, like, he was not good in this episode, and now he is, but um, J. August Richards, who plays Gunn, I feel like has finally fully hit his stride as to who the character is. Like, I felt like, you know, there were scenes, there moments where I liked him in the past, but I feel like throughout this entire episode that we've got, we know who Gunn is at this point, and he's really, you know, he's inhabiting the character for, for real. First mention of Holtz, too, and the flashbacks. I don't like the flashbacks, by the way. That's why this episode gets a B-plus instead of an A-minus.
1: It doesn't make any sense um, with the rest of the plot. Um, The one thing that I was trying to pull out of it, I guess, and you probably have a few themes that you've pulled out of it that are consistent, but uh, was... Where is it? I have a note about this. Um the chase is exhaust is exhilarating um, which sort of like in my mind like connects with how everybody is sort of trying to um, trying to like have their way I guess in some some manner with Darla by like just seeking her out like hunting her essentially um, and how much excitement, I guess sort of it seems like Lindsay and uh Angel both get from that process, but otherwise it completely feels like it's out of place. Anyway. Yeah. I
0: don't know. Um and that point sort of leads me to the next part that I wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. which is that everybody in this episode is wanting a person who doesn't want them back, essentially. <laughs> so Darla is trying to find a vampire to turn her back into a vampire, and she meets with this uh, very pathetic, mulleted <laughs> vampire at a dive bar. Um, in a
1: Metallica shirt. <laughs> was,
0: yeah, in my opinion, it continuing the sort of one of the, not the major theme of this episode, but sort of a secondary meta theme, um, since uh, a lot of this show, uh, in essence, is sort of about um, mythologizing real life and demythologizing fantasy life by making it more like real life. (laughs) Um, So your first breakup is, you know, so bad that your ex-boyfriend might as well have been a killer vampire. But, uh, like, (laughs) uh, at the same time, like, you know... um, Vampires are not the stuff of Anne Rice novels there, as he will point out, this vampire. They're just like humans, except for stronger and they eat people. (laughs) So, (laughs) they're really sad, not scary ones in the world as well. And I think that this guy has great comedic timing. And I love the way that he delivers pretty much every single line Mm -hmm. when he's like, we're a lonely sort, creatures of the night.
1: <laughs> no, he's great. Like the the actor that portrays that uh, Gen Xy uh, dude is just like amazing. <coughs> he he does such a good job, and uh, his like deflecting of Darla, like I don't know. In in scenes like this, you can really see the disparity. <laughs> in acting I find but um, I guess whatever we know where I stand on that, that topic but he, he did a really great job um, and was really uh, really one of the more fun parts to watch in this episode I found
0: well I'll make it a little bit clear in case you haven't listened to previous episodes Kara's saying that the mullet guy is a good actor and uh, Julie Benz is a bad actor <laughs> Correct. Um, I also really like the part when um, he's like, it sounds like a lot of commitment, and she's like, it's mythic. <laughs> and he pauses, like, so you'd be like my immortal babe. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't really have any, like, commentary. I'm really just sort of, like, doffing my cap to how much I enjoy that scene.
1: Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one, and and I mean... A bit of credit to um, the writing, I guess, as well um, on that one, not just the performance, but um, and I think the writing for Darla was also pretty good where it's like she is totally exasperated by this ass, like... <laughs> ass vampire who like doesn't know his like yeah anyway he doesn't know what's going on he's completely like he was his turned, fundamentals
0: of vampirism his
1: fundamentals of vampire vampirism are pretty low he was turned in like 1992 so he's just like a noob and she's like willing to be made by him which is like so she's just putting up with the most insane amount of nonsense um but yeah which was Really, uh, I think, like, the language that she uses and the way that she pr- proceeds to, like, keep trying to negotiate with him, basically, was really mm-hmm. well written.
0: Yeah. I agree. And I think it's a fun, like... Um, I, um Horny isn't the right word. Fun horny metaphor. But it's like, if, you know, turning someone into a vampire is a sexual act and it's always portrayed uh, as a sexual act, like this is like you know sometimes just want to have sex just want to be turned into vampire mm-hmm. nearest warm body or in this case cold body is good enough and you're just trying to sell you're trying to sell them and yourself on doing this mm-hmm. You're like this is fine <laughs> it doesn't doesn't have to be true love
1: <laughs> but it's also like not a one night stand kind of situation
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> You can't just forget about yes. the person who sired you yeah. as soon as it happened.
0: That's part where it sort of falls apart, though. I bet if uh, this guy had actually made Darla, as opposed to getting dusted by Angel, that she would have what, tracked him down and murdered him. Mm. <laughs> fair fair uh, <laughs> it, Okay, um... And then, really, the only other thing that we wanted to talk about in the episode is the main reason why I like it. Um, Which is, uh, I think that Darla, like, if I were to rank my top 10 or 20 moments in the show, Darla gets two of them, even though she's not a particularly major character. And one of them is this. She's sitting in a hotel room with Angel. Angel's very frustrated and sad and uh, he's talking about how she deserves a second chance and she says this is my second chance Um, maybe this is what I need to do and he goes die and she's like yes to die the way I was supposed to die in the first place makes me feel real emotional (laughs) reading it back thinking about it um, it's. I would admit that there's some willing suspension of disbelief issues there that she has managed over the course of a couple of days to change this fundamentally and her acceptance of of death, but oh. that that is in an exaggerated form. What? Most of us are kind of hoping to get to that place to be like well we're going to die and that's what we're supposed to do and we should live our lives knowing and accepting that fact most of us never do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's a pretty like poignant uh expression i guess of of uh, realizing and recognizing that you know that's that's what needs to happen which of course it doesn't um, which is kind of a bummer <laughs> yeah but then there wouldn't be a lot fun, eh? <laughs> there wouldn't be a lot to like <laughs> um move forward with in terms of the show and the plot if it didn't happen
0: <laughs> yeah and you would be cutting off uh I mean, I don't want to say for sure, maybe my number one and my number two moment in the whole show <laughs> if the Dar storyline ended here, which is him sadly watching her die. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, thank goodness. But also, aw, she was so prepared.
0: <coughs> yeah. Um, and I think it makes a really nice, like, they didn't... Maybe I don't believe that over the course of this episode, uh, her character arc, but I think they do a really nice job in previous episodes of setting up this being her problem and then coming to this point, like um, in a previous episode, I don't remember which one, she says, 400 plus years and still too short. And uh, yeah, that's, that's the... Thing you have to accept. It's always too short. it Doesn't matter how long you get to live. If you're afraid to die, it's always gonna seem like not enough. <laughs> yeah.
1: But there's an um, there's sort of an implication too that like Lauren gives uh, at the karaoke bar where he says, um, you know, she had a good run. She has four hundred plus years under her belt. And then Angel sort of says, "Yeah, but she didn't have a chance really to like live that life the way that she should have," um, or it's implied that she didn't live her life as a good person. Yeah, um,
0: I think that's a, a great line because I, I think it establishes uh, two things: one, the sort of um, more overt thing, which is that I think Angel is correctly arguing. That, um, you know, born into the circumstances that she was, she didn't have an opportunity to live a good life as a human. And then, obviously, as a vampire, she is a victim. Um, It wasn't something she necessarily chose to be. And then she didn't really have a choice as a vampire. And then, you know, she was ripped out of whatever dimension she was existing in in order to come back to earth and you know i think there's some i don't get too deep into it because i don't want to give the writers too much credit but you know some commentary on the place of women in society and their limitation on options and things of that nature and uh the possibility of living a full happy life Mm -hmm. um but also, a nice thing about that line is that it shows that, as we will learn at the end of the episode, that Angel is also not in that place. He also thinks that, um, you know, he's afraid of dying. Uh-huh. And He's afraid of other people dying. And he, um, you know, thinks that they should get to live as long as they need to figure stuff out. <laughs> That's not really how it works.
1: Mm, No, if only we all had that opportunity. (laughs) Um,
0: Of course, then the shittiest people would live the longest. (laughs) So it takes them a real long time to figure things out.
1: (laughs) Uh, (coughs) Yeah, and then, like, some of my favorite people would have lived to be, like, you know, maybe, like, 11. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> or, I don't know, maybe you reach a point of diminishing returns where it's, like, when you're a 10-year-old, you've got everything. Like, you totally just get it. Like, how to be a good person, how to share.
0: <laughs> and
1: then it all goes away.
0: Any other major things you want to talk about in the episode? Otherwise, I, you know, have a little notes. but
1: um, Yeah, I guess we kind of touched on this, but, like, Darla is not at all listened to. Like, nobody really gives... A shit about what she wants um, or what really affects her. It's almost like everybody is just sort of pushing their way through her, which, as you've just said, too, um, happens her whole life, basically, um, as a vampire and as a human um, where she doesn't really have any choice or she doesn't have any option to sort of live um, the life that she could or the life that ideally she would be able to if she had choices um but yeah angel and Lindsay both and wolfram and Hart just keep taking those opportunities away from her so when she says you know in a previous episode like to angel don't look for me again then immediately like you know we start the episode with like an understanding that oh yeah he's been looking for her again and is trying to track her down um yeah so it just seems like there's a Uh, lack of again i don't
0: want to give the writers like conscious right. credit, but I think especially probably the women writers like subconsciously the way that they wrote it into the show. Like, when you look at the major four vampires Spike, Angel, Drusilla, and Darla the comparison between the trauma that they suffered before they became a vampire is significantly different uh-huh. for the men and the women. Like, Angel, his dad was mean to him. Uh-huh. That's it. It's like his dad thought he was a a waste of life. And it's like, yeah, that's sad, and his dad should be nicer to him. But when you compare it to what Darla went through, Mm -hmm. essentially being forced into sex slavery, and then dying of syphilis Mm -hmm. when she's like 25, like, there's no comparison. No. And then you look at at Spike and Drusilla, and Spike, Mm -hmm. the woman that he liked, didn't like him back. And his mom was a bit of a dick. Oh, (laughs) No. yeah oh no the, he has the opposite problem his mom is too nice oh really <laughs> until uh yeah until he turns oh, right. her into a vampire a because he's a mama's boy right. and then she reveals all the horrible things that she maybe thought about him as a right. human that he kind of hands waves away right. Right. um and then of course drusilla was tortured to death by angel <laughs>
1: and was not in the best headspace beforehand either to be fair
0: <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that it's that, a cool point that you made which led me to a different cool point
1: Thanks for the cool point points <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: Oh, that was lame Take away those cool point points <laughs>
0: <laughs> Um. really like the line You were made in an alley Mm-hmm Uh, That Darla says to Angel Um, uh, Auto-tune didn't exist at this time But there's something going on with Darla's singing It's like There's like notes that she can't hit or something And they do something to make it sound like she can So like the song sounds like 70% good And it's in some ways more disconcerting Than just listening to Angel sing badly (laughs) (laughs)
1: uh i will also say the shot looks really good looks great
0: i really like (laughs) the i don't know if it's blue or purple light that she's sitting in and the way that she's framed it's a very nice looking shot but Mm -hmm. something about the way she sings is mm.
1: aside from the annoying raspiness which also Mm -hmm. bothers me (laughs) on top of the like weird modulation
0: uh i enjoyed the actor who plays the butler british butler dude who does the trial trial uh i'm consistently impressed on both of these shows with their ability to get people who are in one scene or one episode and do a good job
1: if only they could do that with their regular cast members but sorry i'm gonna (laughs) stop i'll just back that up a bit they well for the most part they fall into uh, their roles and like they do a good job eventually but there's a learning curve.
0: with the Sure. Um, yeah. So it's, I mean, again, it's all the more impressive that someone can show up on set for like two days and really nail it. Um, but a lot of their long-running characters are side characters who they felt, and sometimes I agree with them, did that. So, you know, Anya was supposed to be a one-episode character, mm-hmm. but she was so good that they were like, She's coming back, and I think that they were, yeah. right, in that instance. Um, even though I liked Darla, eventually I would have disagreed at the time when they decided in season one, they're like, we got to bring Julie Benz back. I would have been like, do you have to bring Julie <laughs> Benz back? <laughs> After a season one episodes, but I like her on Angel, uh-huh. so. Um. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's I'm a fan of the, to um
1: I'm a fan of the lawyer joke that goes on. This is very, like, very throwaway. But it's like, we're amateurs compared to the heartless, blood-sucking, like, you know, monsters mm. that yeah. are Wolfram and Hart. Um, anyway, that's <laughs> a nice little juxtapose, um... That I, that I thought was kind of nice. Something that I don't understand, and this is minor, is why Darla's syphilis cannot be cured at this point. Was that really explained um, properly, or was that sort of glossed over?
0: I don't know medicine well enough to know whether or not what they say is actually accurate, but they say that it's too far advanced at this point. Hmm. Uh-uh.
1: Hmm. But, yeah. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> But yeah, that's I guess if it's already fair
0: infected her whole body, <laughs> which I don't know if that's a thing that would.
1: We... Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I think that there are antibiotics. It's a very
0: that treatable existed. illness in the modern world. <laughs> yeah.
1: That existed in you know uh, two thousand two. That would be able to uh, cure advanced stage syphilis, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's true. I'm not a medical professional, but in any case it just seemed like she has two months to live is like there there was no way to slow the progression of it uh question anyway but whatever it's a fancy <laughs> show i shouldn't yeah. dig too deeply into it i guess it's like yeah not not the most um, relevant question to ask but
0: i mean personally with complaints of that type of nature Uh, I generally, like, I understand that I am not typically bothered by that stuff personally. Mm -hmm. And so when I notice it, I know that I'm off board on a TV episode or a movie. When I'm like, hmm, here's -hmm. something that I would normally, would fall under my willing suspension of disbelief easily. But now I'm concerned about uniform accuracy Mm -hmm. and The Vietnam War movie that I'm watching.
1: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I feel like in a Vietnam War movie that you're watching, there is some historical like uh, reality that needs to exist. Whereas in this case, I'm realizing—well, I do realize how ridiculous it is of me to be like, nah, I don't—I don't know—in a world with vampires and magic. As that syphilis. I couldn't could think be- of a good example.
0: That's a bad example. I guess. No, 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 no. And I don't know what uniforms are supposed to look like, but
1: um, my bad. Yeah. My bad. I'm i am gonna digress. <laughs> Quickly.
0: <laughs> okay. Here's some things from the wiki. Uh, first one I already mentioned. This is the first time Holtz comes up. Second one, well, there are two that are all kind of a stretch, so I'll lump them together. It says, in this episode, Darla foreshadows the season 4 villain Jasmine when she's outside Hyperion and notices Jasmine flowers. What? She says, Jasmine, it blooms at night. I remember that. what that was like. What? That's not foreshadowing. if she was like uh, I love Jasmine but I always find it to be kind of scary that would be maybe kind of foreshadowing because then you're like talking about her character but she's talking about the flower Um, and I thought this one was kind of a stretch too it says maybe one of the reasons Darla doesn't that Cordelia doesn't trust Darla might be that she was the one who handed her over to Luke to feed on in the harvest this is the second episode of Buffy, Darla and the uh, Luke and the other master masterettes attack the bronze, um, and are going to feed to release the master through some spell. And but that one in that episode it makes it clear that like Cordier doesn't totally remember the incident, part of the like long suffering, uh self-chosen amnesia that the residents of Sunnydale partake in when it comes to uh, horrible events in their lives. Um, And also, why would she, like, the person who handed her over to another person, that would mean... She's a vampire. That's why Mm -hmm. she wouldn't trust her. Anyways, um...
1: Fair points.
0: uh, Yeah. So... Uh, I I didn't remember this, so maybe you won't remember it either, but uh, the life that is created by Angel successfully, um, doing the trial is, uh, the life that allows Jasmine to come to Earth. So that is actually, uh, setting up the Jasmine storyline. If Angel hadn't have done this, Jasmine could not have been created on Earth. I would not um, have thought that. And also, Angel theorizes that because he has a soul, the siring process might be different. In Season 5, Why We Fight, we learn that this is true because he sired someone during World War II. Um, but not... It wouldn't have worked out with Darla. <laughs> Producer Tim Minear insisted that Julie Benz do her own singing for the song. So Tim Minear is to well, for that. What
1: a bad <laughs> choice.
0: Juliet Landau's name is only in the end credits, so a surprise. They did that a lot with surprise guests. Keep them at the end. They did that in season one of Angel with Julie Benz. Um... Mm-hmm. In German this was called off Loben und Tod" for life and death, and in French it was called Le prouve the trial. Mm. <laughs> when Darwin and Angelus are chased by a vampire hunter in France in 1765, Angelus tells Darla that he hates France and they should go to Romania instead. In 1765, Romania did not exist. <laughs> it appeared as a state in 1859 as a result of the unification of two Romanian provinces, Moldavia and Wallachia. <laughs> okay, that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody hope you're enjoying the podcast. If so, subscribe using your podcast listening application or however one subscribes to podcasts. I think that's probably it, though. Um, and then give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. We do appreciate it. But for, for now, this podcast is the one good thing we ever did together, Karen. The only good thing. Make sure to tell the world that. Bye. Bye.